in your Bible this morning to the book of Luke, the book of Luke in the Gospels, the book of Luke, chapter number 22, if you would please, just for a little while this morning, just uh, just a good day to serve the Lord, isn't it? I'm glad I'm not out on that old hot lake fighting mosquitoes keeping them worms in your mouth to keep them warm so that the fish will bite. I'd rather be here, wouldn't you? Yes, sir. Verse 1, now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Now down to verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when you are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber? Where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. And he shall show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. When the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. He said unto them, With desire, I have a desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not eat any more thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not eat of the fruit of the vine till the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Shall we pray? And we'll ask God to help us just a little while this morning. Our Father, today, we stand in need of your help. The arm of flesh is weak. And so, so very helpless. We pray today for strength physically, for retention spiritually, and for holy tenacity to live out that which we have heard this morning. Thank you for each that are here today. Now I pray you'd receive honor and glory from all it's said. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. I'd like to bring your thoughts back to verse 19 and this phrase, do in remembrance of me. Memorial Day is a day of remembrance. Memorial Day should be more to us than just a three-day weekend filled with barbecue, lakes, fishing, and three days off. It is so very much more. And in the Bible, there are approximately 230 times the word memorial or remembrance is mentioned. More than 230 times God commands his people either to observe a memorial or remember what is past. It's amazing to me as I read the word of God how the scripture demands that uh, there be times of observance. Notice in the text that we read over and over again, it mentioned Passover. Passover. That is a yearly memorial feast that God's people was to recognize and observe to remind them of the blood of the Passover lamb and deliverance from bondage. A yearly memorial to remind God's people that God still is in the delivering business. And we do not have to eradicate blood from our songbooks and from our preaching because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And so over yearly and annually, the Jewish people, Israel, was to observe a memorial to remind them that God is still God. But not only did the scriptures institute a yearly memorial, but the scriptures instituted a weekly memorial called the Sabbath. And the Sabbath day was not ours, it was God's. It was a day to remind us that God is still God, worthy of our worship, deserving of our dedication. And it was a weekly reminder to the nation of Israel and to God's people that God still demands, desires, and longs for our worship. Look how many forgot that today. You say, preacher, we don't forget. Are you kidding? Well, you get my age and you'll forget even how to forget. Early this morning, I don't know how early it was, something came into my mind. 
I'm supposed to be marrying somebody sometime this spring, summer or fall. I had to get up. I went into my phone and looked at my reminders. And the only thing I have there are doctor's appointments. I asked my wife, I said, wife, do you remember when I'm supposed to marry these folks? I thought it was this month. This month is about out. (laughs) And I'm going through these agonizing pains of, man, I hope I don't miss this deal. And they're standing at the altar waiting for the wolf and barger to show up. I said, oh, dear God, what's going on? And I started to call the guy this morning at three. (laughs) So I waited till nine. He is still asleep, I suppose. In a little while, my phone rang and it was him. And I said, sir, when am I supposed to marry you? He said, yesterday. (laughs) No, no, he didn't. <laughs> you say, what did he say? I forgot. He said, oh no, it's sometime in July. When I hung up, that sucker's still laughing at me. I haven't gotten any sleep for weeks. I hope I miss his wedding. We all have a great forgetter. And God knew we have a great forgetter. And God gave us these feast days, these reminders, if you please, that God is still God. His word is still true. He's coming again. And he reminds us by these feasts that he brought those reminders, if you please, out of the Old Testament into the New for we who are still here who have a wonderful forgetter. You see, he did away with the old, the Passover, that reminded Israel that God was still God. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Unless you apply the Blood to the doorpost, God said, the death angel will reach into your life and pull out the firstborn. But if you'll apply the blood to the doorpost, the angel, the death angel will pass over you. A yearly reminder of how good God had been. We come into the New Testament and he gives us the ordinances to talk to us and remind us that as off as you eat and as off as you drink, do in remembrance of me. Do you think maybe God must have known we need a constant reminder that we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Oh, yes, redeemed, redeemed, and glad I am, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But not only a yearly or constant reminder, 
But God has given us a weekly reminder. It's called Sunday. It's called the first day of the week. It's the day of the resurrection. Thank God our lamb is not dead. He's alive. And every Sunday we come together, it is a memorial, a reminder that our lamb died. But yes, on the third day he arose again. Are you glad of that? You miss that weekly reminder and it won't be long until you forget how good God has been. You miss those reminders that God has put in place for us and it will not be long till you'll be getting up early in the morning wondering what you forgot. Is there anybody here now? Kind of stay with me if you would please. Memorial Day is a very important day in our life, I believe. President Eisenhower said, now listen, a people that values its privileges more than its principle will soon lose both. A society that values privileges above principle will soon lose both. When you vote, do you vote privilege or principle? Do you fear God or do you fear losing your social security? When you vote, do you vote privilege what you get out of it, what it can do for you, or for what it can do for God and society. You say, why did you throw that in there? Just because you look like you need it. Are we losing our principles? for our privileges. I think I would have looked good today down at the lake in my beniki shorts and my muscles protruding out all over, flinging that baby worm. That's a privilege. But I have to have principles in my life. And there's just something got to be more important than my privileges. And one of those is saying thank you publicly to those who have bought and paid for my privileges. Freedom is not free. The freedoms that you and I experience today in our life has not been free. The Bible said, Greater love hath no man than this, 
than that a man lay down his life for his friends. More than one million Americans, men and women, have voluntarily, sacrificially, given their life that we, you and I might gather today in this place and have the freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our heart. More than a million. That is a lot of folk. Every one of those millions of folk paid the ultimate price for mine and your privilege. Think about it if you would, please. These teenagers are free today because somebody paid the ultimate price, their very life, that they might be free. Free to worship God the way they want to worship God. Freedom to vote. Freedom to assemble and freedom to speak. You see, it is not the theologian that has secured my religious freedom. It's the soldier. It is not the reporter that has secured the freedom of the press. It's the soldier who gave their all. It's the soldier, not the judge or the lawyer that maintains and protects our judicial system. It's the soldier, not the entrepreneur that gives us the freedom to start a business, to make money, to buy bread, and to drink Pepsis. It's the soldier with the flagged great coffin who secured freedom for those who wish to burn our flag and protest our freedom and liberties. It's the soldier. And I'm afraid today we take for granted the privileges that we enjoy that has been purchased with such a great price. And because of that, we've lost our principles. Could I please encourage you to think with me just a minute? I did not serve in the armed forces. I got married too quick and had too many kids and they classified me 4F. 
If it had been somewhere else, I'd have got them too, I'm sure. I would have gone. And like many of those who laid in the lonely foxholes at night, missing home, afraid, I would have been scared to death. Facing the bonsai charges of those heathen who was fighting for communism, who late at night in the jungles of Vietnam listened to the roar of the tigers and the flash and fear do we really realize what we've got and what it costs others that we might enjoy what we have? I guess we ought to be fishing and not thankful. Maybe we could buy us a boat and a camper, take off to the lake and just poof off that a million Americans died for this day. You said, I'm getting mad. Do you think I care? What would it do for you to whoop a 78-year-old man? <laughs> Boy, that'd really put a crown in your glory, wouldn't it? <laughs> so you can get mad and the britches you got on, you can get glad in the same britches before you leave. From Valley Forge to Berlin. From San Juan Hill to Heartbreak Ridge. From Imajima to Saigon, the desert storm, and Iraq to Afghanistan. American soldiers, men and women, permanently mingled their blood in the soil of two continents and several islands. To give to you and me what we have today. And Memorial Day is our feeble way of saying thank you. Thank you for the 1.3 million soldiers that have died. And the 1.5 million that were wounded. And the 38 plus thousand that are still missing. I say from the depths of my heart, thank you. But not only thank you to those who died, but I like to say thank you to those who went and died a little and came back. You cannot go through that 
they tell me without dying a little. I thank you for those who lived and have come back with feelings and thoughts and emotions I don't understand. For those of you who went and fought and was willing to fight and came back to an America that was unappreciative. As an American, I'd like to say thank you. Thank you for not going to Canada. Thank you for not tearing up your draft card. Thank you for boot camp. I've talked to Brother Sean about boot camp. I love Brother Sean. He tells you the truth. <laughs> Even if it don't sound like the truth. Thank you for those who went and came back and was permanently scarred with haunting scenes, haunting sounds, haunting screams and hauntedness of war. Thank you. That's all I have. But I give it to you today unreservedly because I appreciate what you've done. You say, preacher, this is not very good. I knew that when I started putting it together. <laughs> Memorial Day is our feeble way of saying thank you to those who have been a service to us that we might enjoy what we have today. So I thank God for those who died. I thank those of you who lived, who fought, that I might have the life that I have today. I thank God for the blue. For those folks who's willing to come to my house and run those off that don't belong there. I think there's a lot more about Memorial Day than we really appreciate. It's time for me to be quiet now because my wife is flashing her watch at me up in the balcony. She, she said, you're about to run out of hanky and you are out of time, all right?
Is there anybody here today could muster up a real big thank you for those who died and those who did not die but went in fault for our liberty? Amen. Amen. Memorial Day is the day not only to remember the soldiers who have died for our freedom, but it's a day to remember the saints who have died for our faith. Amen. Amen. If you've never read the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, you need to buy it. It's a book that talks about how that the Baptist folk have suffered throughout time. Talks over and over about those folks. But I'm going to go to a better book than the book, Fox's, Martin, Fox's Book of Martyrs. And I want to read you this verse from this book. This is Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Wherefore sin we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that God has set before us. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about being encompassed with a great cloud of witnesses. The scene is at the big Colosseum and all the spectators there to view and to enjoy the races and the competition. And the Bible says this world is kind of like a big arena now. And there has gone on before us a great cloud of witnesses, and you find them back in Hebrews chapter 11. And chapter 11 is the hall of faith. And it talks about by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Abel, by faith, on and on and on and on. And then it says, in verse number 32 of chapter 11, and what shall I more say of the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, Japheth, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Verse 36, they were stoned, they were sought asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Those are the folks we're to remember. Look at chapter 13 and verse 3. Remember them. 
that are in bonds, as bound with them and them which suffered adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. We are here today because they were what they were then. It is estimated that 43 million Christians have been killed for their faith since Christ was crucified. 43 million Christians have died and 26 million of them have been killed, crucified, somehow or another in the last 100 years. It is estimated that 150 to 165,000 Christians a year are killed for their faith. That's today. It is stated that more than 200 million Christians worldwide are constantly persecuted for their faith. The largest conglomerate of Christians in the Middle East is in Syria. They're dying every day not because of poverty or because of the political affiliation, but because they believe in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. You say it's not here, I say, yeah. Washington is not friendly at all towards your faith, especially before Trump got there. How many of you believe that Jesus meant it when he said, if any man come unto me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Someday when you have time, just do a little research and find out what happened to the 12 disciples. Jesus said to them, for whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Sometime when you have time, and I'm, I'm going to close, just look up and see what happened to the 12 disciples when Jesus said, if you're not willing to give your life for me, you're not worthy of me. Today is our feeble way of showing thank you to those who's died for our faith. And in closing, today is a feeble way of showing our Savior 
Thank you for being able to forgive us of our sins. Let me ask you something and I'm going to close. See, when I close this Bible, that means I'm done. Almost. <laughs> what are you going to do with your sins? What are you going to do with your sins? The Bible said the wages of sin is death. What are you going to do? Are you going to bring them all up before God at judgment and say, these are mine. I'm good for them. I'm willing to pay the price for all of this disobedience. What are you going to do with your sin? In closing, you remember our Lord's last words as he hung on the cross? Do you remember the dying words of our Savior? They are, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, you can either let Christ forgive your sins and completely eradicate them and be saved, or you can answer for them yourself at the great white throne judgment where it says, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And they were judged out of those things that were written in the books. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You can either bring your sins to the cross and allow Christ to forgive them. Or you can answer for them to yourself, for yourself, and pay for them throughout eternity in the lake of fire. Today is just a memorial day to remember the soldiers, the saints, and the Savior.